0: am I on now? Okay, I I told the first service this morning that if I ever feel down, I think I'm just going to come here because I feel like I have a personal fan club here. And <laughs> it's kind of kind of fun, but I got to be careful I don't get too big headed about that, but I I love preaching. I love preaching to people who want to listen. And I sense that here that people want to listen not to me, but to the word of God as it's proclaimed. And I uh, last night I talked about authentic lives. I was not talking about perfect people nobody's perfect and uh, I was talking about honest people and uh, the, the watching world is not expecting us Christians to be perfect but they are expecting us to be honest so we talk about lies of honesty and integrity and then first service we talked about uh, powerful prayers and praying salvation prayers and I'm actually gonna repeat that sermon next hour uh, just as if, if everybody in the, in, the, in the Taylorville Christian Church were to start praying for maybe even just one person, what could happen if you were praying salvation prayers? Uh, now I'm going to talk about uh, impacting stories. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about God's story, but I'm really talking about your story. And everybody in this room has a unique, I think, powerful story to tell. And some of you don't believe that. I pray that after this sermon, you will. Uh, you have an impacting story to tell. And when I talked about praying salvation prayers, and now I'm going to talk about telling your story, your story with God. Um, everybody can do this. Everybody. Don't have to go to Bible college. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to have a degree. Um, let, me, let me just read a scripture. This won't be on the screen. I just want you to read First uh, Peter 2.9. I mentioned it last night. It said, but you, church, are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, everybody here is a priest, a representative of God to people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him. There is something about evangelism, guys, that is verbal. Verbal. And this is where you don't have to become a used car salesman, you don't have to become a powerful preacher, you just need to talk. And I know some of you are scared to death to talk, and I hope that today I'm going to talk about something you already know, which is your story, and your story with God, trying to come up with a way to declare that, to to say that to somebody And it says, you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. I just want to say something I believe with all my heart. Satan would rather have you do anything except share your story. He didn't didn't care if you come to church. Yeah, go ahead, go to church. He didn't care if you teach a Sunday school class. Satan would rather have you do anything except this. You know why? Because of that verse. He says, but well, this is frontline spiritual warfare. Evangelism is about drawing people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And he does not want that to happen. He doesn't want to lose anybody to God. This sermon is a really powerful topic. And it's one that's it, 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 it's, it's about heaven, it's about eternity, it's about things that matter. And I believe if you are a baptized believer in Jesus, you are an ordained minister, an ordained priest, and you have a ministry. And the essence of evangelism is sharing and telling and declaring the good news. That is the essence. And it's, it's telling, not yelling. Okay, it's, it's telling and sharing in a way that's winsome. And it's not just good news. It's actually great news. and It's actually not even just great news. It is the greatest news that anybody could hear that God loves them and that God wants to rescue them and save them for eternity. That's the message we're talking about. The greatest news ever. And, and even the word evangelism, the word evangelism technically just means to proclaim good news or to announce good news. I keep trying to think of a metaphor the best thing, I'm sorry, this is all I could come up with, I've been a a lifelong Cub fan, and if the Cubs ever win the World Series, I will be proclaiming and announcing good news. And we're not talking about baseball here, we're talking about eternity. But that's that's what evangelism means, to announce good news and proclaim good news. It's not about yelling at people, it's not about cramming Jesus down someone's throat who doesn't want to hear it. It's not about that stuff. It's about sharing good news with someone that you love. And so I I just pray that this sermon will help a little bit with that. Um, Let's go to Acts 1.8 to start with, where Jesus, before he went back to heaven, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You, take that personal, by the way, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. Uh, sometimes I say evangelism is not something that you do. It's something that you are. You, you are a witness to God's work in your life. And think about this verse. It's, our mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission who came to seek and save the lost. And he hands a torch off to us, the church, What a privilege for us to extend the actual ministry of Jesus. That's what we get to do. By the way, guys, I think that's why we're here. I think that is the purpose of our lives, to share Christ with other people. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, We, the church, are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. If you go down to verse 20, I realize there's a larger passage up there. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I think part of our problem is that we just need a little coaching on how to be an ambassador, how to, how to share things, how to, how to do this. And, and, and I just this idea that we get to share God's story with the world. The major point of this revival and of that passage on the screen there is the fact that you and I get to share God's story. God wants to say something to the world through us not just through preachers, but through every single believer. So I've got some blanks there in your bulletin if you want to fill it in. Uh, the first point is just the fact that this story, it's a good news story. It's a good news story. And you guys know John 3.16, and uh, I know we could probably quote it from different versions, but for God so loved the world, all the people in the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the next verse even goes on and says, God doesn't want to condemn the world. That's not His agenda. He doesn't want to condemn the world. He wants to save the world. That's what He wants to do. And then in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, I love this passage. It's a series of questions. They're all rhetorical questions that you could give the answer to. And Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he starts with that salvation verse, everyone everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he asks the question, but how, how can they call on someone that they have not believed in? And the answer is, well, they can't. How can you do that? They can't. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard about? I guess they can. not And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And please do not see a pulpit there in that verse, because that doesn't what that verse means. It's not talking about paid vocational preachers. It's not talking about professional clergy. It's talking about every believer. And the word preaching is actually just the word for evangelism in the Greek. It's just a word that means to announce good news. And it says, it says how can somebody hear without someone announcing the good news of Jesus to them? And the answer is, they can't. And then it says, and how can they preach? And by the way, don't see a pulpit there. That's not a professional preacher there. That's just a believer. How can they declare and announce good news unless these people are sent? Well, they can't. And then it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? I love that passage. It was explained to me one time. This is back, you know, back in the first century and before that. Uh, you know, they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have texting and Twitter and All the ways that we send messages today, Uh, just before first service I was texting people and asking them to pray for me while I'm preaching today and pretty cool to be able to send messages that way, Uh, but back in the early centuries uh, they sent messages by a runner, a physical person that they would take the message somewhere and I've heard that a lot of times they would guess before the runner showed up with the message, they would guess whether it was good news or bad news. And it was kind of interesting because they would see the runner in the distance and they could tell by the way they're running. Maybe they're running from a battle and whether they won the victory or not, or maybe it's a birth of, the, of, of someone's family. And they could tell whether it was bad news or good news. And the way they could tell, if, if it was bad news, the runner wasn't running very fast. They were the runner. They had a message, but they're delivering bad news. (laughs) And so they're like, okay, I don't really want to deliver this message. I think I'm going to run a little slower. But the ones that had good news, they were literally kicking up the dust. They were running so fast, they were kicking up the dust. And you could see in the distance and see, ah, good news is coming. And I want us to think about, put yourself there that we get to run hard and run fast in this whole area of evangelism I know some of us are still scared to death of it but just this idea that we get to run to someone with the greatest news that they could ever hear that's the message that we get to carry so it's a a good news story second point is it's a personal story this is where you come in personally and I come in personally let's go to Mark 5 And read a little bit of the story about the guy who had uh, multiple demons. And uh, starting in verse 18, it says, As Jesus was uh, getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, he just begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus didn't let him. Jesus had some other plans for this man. He said, I want you to go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. That's what I want you to do. I want you to give your testimony. Your witness. I want you to tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, the ten cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Now you might say, well my, my story is not about being freed from demons, but you've got a story of being freed from something. I want to tell you a true story about a man who's become one of my heroes. I've never met him. But I've read a lot of his books, and I have a personal life goal of reading every book he wrote before I die, if I can. His name is E. Stanley Jones. He was actually one of the most famous missionaries of the 1900s, and he spent most of his life in India working with Muslims and Hindus. He's an amazing man. I call him my historical mentor for doing missions. And I want to tell you about E. Stanley's life. One little scene that I really resonated with, and I think a lot of you will resonate with. He was a young man who wanted to argue for God. And uh, he, he was preaching his very first sermon. He grew up in Maryland, and he was in a small church. And it was that day, E. Stanley was going to get up in front of the pulpit, and he was going to preach his first sermon in public. And his family was there, and all the people in town, like, oh, little Stanley, he's going to preach today, you know, and they're all just kind of cheering him on. Well, he had memorized his sermon word for word. And he had really worked hard on his sermon. And he got up in the pulpit <clears throat> and he started preaching. And he said, he said, my voice started on a high pitch. And sometimes when you're nervous, your voice kind of you know goes up a little bit. So he was starting to preach in a high pitch. And then he said, a word came out of his mouth that he had not planned to per se. And it wasn't a, a bad word, but it was just a nonsensical word. It was the word... Indifferentism, and I don't know how, why it came out, but he's preaching along his memorized sermon, and he said the word indifferentism, and there was some young girl, a college-age girl, that was in the audience, and she got tickled by his word that didn't make sense, and she started laughing silently. You know how people do that? They kind of, you know, their shoulders are going. You know, she started laughing, and he saw her, and and it distracted him from his sermon and, he, and he, his mind went blank, and he forgot the whole sermon. He had no notes up here. He was, he was no notes. You know, he, I, by the way, I always bring notes in case, in case I forget what I'm going to say next. He didn't have any notes, and so he just, <laughs> his mind went blank. It was stage fright and just blank. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're speaking in front of people, and your mind goes blank. It's terrifying, because you can't think of what to say next. And so he was like, And, it was, and then he said, I'm sorry, I seem to have forgotten my sermon. And he started to get down, this is how him telling the story, he started to get down out of the pulpit, he was, he was walking down here, he said on his way down, he sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to his heart. And the Holy Spirit said to him, Stanley, haven't I ever done anything for you? Why couldn't you just talk about that? And he got down and he said, well, I don't belong up in the pulpit. He said, but I, I do want you to know that Jesus has saved me. And he went on to give his personal testimony of his life. And he said there were actually people <clears throat> in the audience that day that were touched by God and actually went into missions because of his personal, the power of his personal testimony. And all he said was, this is what God has done for me. Every person here can do that. You don't have to be a preacher. And he even said, it, it changed the way he did missions. He said, because he said, you know, I, I'm going to quit trying to be God's lawyer. I'm going to quit trying to defend God. God's big enough to defend himself. And he said, I'm just going to be a witness, not a lawyer. And for some of you, you've got to have this broken in you, because some of you think, well, I can't be a preacher. You know, I can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. Jesus is only asking you to do what he asked the the demon-possessed man to do. He said, could you just go tell people what I've done for you? Could you Could you just talk about that? And guys, I believe with all my heart, that is the most powerful tool in your toolbox that you have for evangelism, is your personal story with God. I mean, you can read books, and you can look at illustrations, and you can do all kinds of things, but that is the most powerful thing you have. And I love how E. Stanley, he, he just said, he became one of the most effective missionaries in the world. And he basically said, I'm just a witness. I'm just a witness for God. Look at John 9.25. You remember the story about the blind man that was born blind, and Jesus healed him, and, and, and the uh, Pharisees were pretty upset about it, <laughs> and they were saying things like, you you know, you need, to see, you need to say that Jesus is a bad guy. I mean, he's a bad guy. He doesn't, he doesn't follow the law the way we think he should and, and all this stuff. And, and this blind man replies in verse 25. He just says, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. You guys can figure that one out. But here is one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I can see. Wow, it's powerful. He said, I, I know that much. By the way, everybody in this room can say something similar to that. I'll tell you something I do know. I was feeling hopeless, or I was blinded by this thing in my life, or this situation, but I met Jesus, and now I'm like this. That's all you have to do, guys. I'm serious. What has Jesus done for you? Not what he's done for James, or for Ken, or somebody. No, what has he done for you? And if you can answer that question, you have the most powerful tool to win people to Christ, I believe. What has Jesus done for you? And by the way, can you just put that into some words? And I know that you have a two-hour version of that story and you have a two-minute version of that story. Why don't you just work on that? And I'm going to try to give you some tips on how to do that. There are actually three stories that we need to pay attention to. And the first one is is Jesus' story. We've got to know Jesus' story. Of course, the heart of that story is He died on the cross for our sins. That is the heart of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ. Easter's coming. That is the gospel, okay? Uh, Jesus died for our sins. So that's part of Jesus' story. And and I think if you could just come up with maybe a scripture, maybe just one verse. I'm not asking you to memorize a bunch of stuff. How about just John 3.16? You know, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And, and, and then you could tell your story, and then somewhere in your story, you could say, I came to believe that truth of John 3.16. Or maybe, maybe it's just like, like Romans. In Romans, there's a really short verse, Romans 6.23, that just says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you can just say, I came to the point in my life where I realized my sin made me deserve to go to hell. But through Jesus Christ, I've found this gift. So if you could take your story and just show how it connects to Jesus' story in a simple way, that could be what you say to people. But there is another story that you need to know, and I think it's their story. And so I'm not talking... Evangelism is not just talking about yourself. And by the way, that can be dangerous sometimes if you just talk about yourself all the time. And, and actually, I've been trying to, to not do that. Uh, I, people give up things for Lent, like for 40 days, and I've given a couple things up, and I've never really done this before, but I decided, I <laughs> this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I'm trying to not talk about Mike as initiating it. I just want to go, when I talk to people, I'll just ask them how they are. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer their question if they say, well, Mike, tell me how you're doing. You know, I'll I'll do that. But I'm just trying not to talk first about me. That is stinking hard to do. That is really hard to do. Okay? So I just just want you to know, when I say sharing your story, it doesn't mean you go up to people and say, hey, let me tell you my story. You wait for the moment. Like last night, we talked about live your life in such a way that it demands an explanation. When someone gives you the million-dollar question, which is, why are you the way you are? Then Then the door is open for you to tell your story. So you've got to know their story, and you've got to listen hard so you even know how to tell your story. And God may be prompting you to say, Mike, uh, give the two-minute version, not the two-hour version. So you, it's, like, it's like you're asking God, what time is it? What time is it, God? Is it time for me to shut up and listen, or is it time for me to share what you have done for me? And should I share in 30 seconds, or should I share longer? Does that make sense? You're asking God what time it is with this person. Now I'm going to get to the hardest part of the sermon. It's point number three, and that is a full circle story. It's not just a good news story, and uh, it's, it's this story that's very personal. It's about you, but it's a, there's, a, there's a part of this, i want to call it a full circle story. And this is where a lot of you are going to be tempted not to do. <laughs> and I, I, hope you, I hope God gives you the guts to do this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, There's a full circle verse. I want you to see if you see the circle in the verse. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I love that phrase. He is a God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles. And then it says, So that, here's the the circle going around. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those In any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. In everybody's story, there is pain. Mine too. I want to share a little bit about what today. I want to be very transparent. I believe that God never wastes a hurt or a pain in our life. He never wastes them. And I believe that your greatest ministry will likely come from when you share about your greatest pain. You hear what I said? Some of you guys are already nervous because it's like I'm talking about really personal stuff here. If you were to say, Mike, could you describe yourself in a phrase? Here's my favorite phrase I use now. Mike is a broken man who is in the process of being healed by Jesus. That's just who I am. I'm a broken person who is in the process of being healed by Jesus. My deep brokenness comes from two areas. One area is because I have been sinned against in my life in some pretty big ways, some. And I've also committed sin in my life. So I'm broken in two ways, because of other people sinning against me and because of my sin. Uh, I'm not trying to rip on my dad, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I love my dad. My dad is a preacher too. But when I was a little boy, he was abusive. And I experienced a lot of verbal abuse from my dad, and a lot of emotional abuse, and a little bit of physical abuse growing up. And that put a big mark on me. It actually made it really hard for me to believe that God is love and that God loves Mike. That's the hardest biblical truth. John 3.16 is the hardest thing for Mike to believe. My whole life, it's been hard for me to believe that. I also experienced some sexual abuse when I was a junior high boy from a man, a family friend in our family. I was sexually abused for a period of time. And that put a mark on me. And then, if that wasn't enough brokenness, <laughs> I've sinned like everybody sins. And, and ever since fifth grade, when I was first exposed to it, I have struggled with pornography. And it's been a lifelong struggle. And God has been healing me and giving me wisdom, and even to the point where now I can come around full circle, and I, I teach on this or, or share on it all the time with guys at LCU, and girls too. Um, we have a group called the Master's Men that meets on Monday nights, that, that deals openly with the elephant in the room, which is just sexual temptation through pornography and other things, as well as just calling men out to be men and to be leaders. And it's interesting, when I share about abuse in my life, um, people come out of the woodwork to talk to me, because it's so hard to talk about abuse. And people will come up and talk to me and say, Mike, would you pray with me? You, you, you look like you're a safe person, because you had the guts to share your story. And I just want you to know, when you look at people in the church and people outside the church, everybody has a story. And everybody has pain. I don't care who they are. Everybody has pain. And if they don't have pain, if they wait a couple years, they'll get some pain. I mean, it just happens. It's a human condition. We live in a fallen world, guys. Why don't we just admit it? We're broken people. We're all, we're all screw-ups. We're all broken people. We're all messed up in some way. But we are in the process of being healed by Jesus Christ, and that's the only place I know where to go. I believe God is using the hard parts of my story in very effective ways today. But these very experiences are the ones that you and I resent and regret, and we have this huge temptation to hide them, don't we? I don't want to talk about them. That was in the past. I don't want to talk about them. Um, I I know this is hard for you to hear this, But actually, God wants to use them. He wants to redeem them. He wants to use them for His glory. He doesn't want to waste any pain in your life. Now, I'm not saying you share that prematurely. Because some of you actually need to go to some really good Christian counselors to help you get some healing. But after you have received a level of comfort and healing about the pain in your life, you are now ready to minister to somebody else And you're not only ready to tell your story and declare your story of you and Jesus, but you can even talk about the dark parts. And I just want to say, watch out. See what God does. See what God wants to do with your story. And I'm talking about every single person here. For God to use your painful experiences, we've got to share them. We've got to stop covering them up. We've got to honestly Talking about integrity, we've got to admit our faults and our failures and our fears. And I believe with all my heart that your personal story of your journey with God and how He is healing you is the most powerful thing you have. Let me just say this about testimonies, personal testimonies. I think they are so effective, and I'm going to give you seven reasons real quick. <laughs> One is because everybody loves a story. We spend billions of dollars going to the movies. Why? And there's only two themes usually, the theme of romance and the theme of good versus evil. And we just keep paying good money to see all these stories. Why? Because we love stories. And we are in a meta-narrative, a big story. Our story is one story within a bigger story. There's the power of a real story. I love going to movies that are based on a real story. Because then I's like, okay, this is not just Hollywood. This actually happened. There's power in a real story. And stories are not easily discredited. If you were to tell your personal story to someone, there's no way they can refute that because it's your story. Now, they can call you crazy and and call you a liar. They can do that. But they can't refute your story. Does that make sense? Because it's your story. It's a story of you and God. And every one of your stories is unique. And so I don't want anybody in this room to say, well, my story is not special. How in the world can you say that? Have you read Psalm 139? That you were created and designed in your mother's womb. God knit you together in your you were fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one on this planet, all 7 billion of them, that is like you. You are as unique as your fingerprints and your DNA code and everything, you are unique, and your story with God is unique. Don't you dare sit there and say, "Uh, my story is just like everybody else's. No, it's not. It is totally unique, and it's powerful. And by the way, your story can be used at any time. There is a 30-second version of your story that you can share on the elevator if God tells you to. There is a three-hour version, and there's a 30-second version of your story. You could, and by the way, you already know the story. That's why I'm saying there's no homework to do here. It's not like, okay, I've got to go to the library, got to do some research, got to get out some biblical commentaries. I've got I've to write this really awesome testimony. That's my story. I just want to say it's already up here between your ears. All you really have to do is learn how to articulate it. You just need to learn how to say it. And maybe you can spend some time thinking about that. And then different elements of your story will connect with different people's stories. So you're going to be tempted to leave out some details of the longer version. I want to say don't leave those out. Because those might be the very things. I just preached last night and I had somebody come up to me and say, Mike, this part of your sermon really spoke to me. And I'm going, wow, I didn't really—that really that really wasn't the main point of my sermon. And I don't remember even saying that. And people do that all the time. You never know what part of your story is going to connect with them that makes sense different elements will connect with different people you can tell your story chronologically if you want to you know the BC before Christ this is how I was before Christ Then I met Jesus and this is how I am after Christ that's fine that's a perfect way to tell your story or you can just take something in your life that's a defining moment or something that God has done and you can talk about that and then refer back to meeting Jesus that's called thematically so you can do it chronologically you can do it thematically someone said your life message has about Three aspects, your life message has your testimony, which is a story of how you began a relationship with God. Some people call that your testimony. But there's also life lessons, aren't they? These are things, these are like the most important lessons that God has taught you because of some divine, defining moment in your life. And then there's also the, the godly passions. You know, godly passions are the issues that God has shaped you and your story to care about the most. That's part of your story. So spend some time thinking. What what is in your story? And by the way, don't, don't speak Christianese. Let me, let me give you an example of that. Um, I want to see the hands of all the people in here who believe that Jesus Christ is the mokozi. The Mokozi. I want to see your hands if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Mokozi. We got one here. Two people. What is wrong with you guys? I just ask you, how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior? That's what the word Mokosi means. It's Swahili, but that's what the word... What are you saying? Don't speak Swahili to people. Don't use church words. And some of those church words are evangelism and born again and personal relationship with Jesus Christ and even words as simple as Jesus saves or saved by grace. Those are Bible words and those are church words. Find a way to talk to people the way they really talk at Walmart and at the, at the factory. Don't speak a foreign language. I believe that every member of this church has a story to tell. What keeps you from telling others this story and the good news of Jesus? This may sound harsh, but I want, to, I want you to hear this. The church that doesn't want to reach out and touch other people for Christ, and share God's story with them, well, that church doesn't want to grow, <laughs> and that church is basically saying to the world, you can go to hell. Is that too hard to hear? If a church is not willing to share, individually and as a group, the story of Jesus is saying, we don't care. I don't care about you, you can just go to hell. That's what we need to think about, because that's what this sermon is about. What are you willing to do so that the people you know will go to heaven? Are you willing to share your story? Jesus calls us not just to come to Him, but we're supposed to go to Him, we're supposed to go out for Him. Anybody willing to pray this prayer? This is a gutsy challenge. God, who have you put in my life for me to tell about Jesus who have you put in my life right now for me to tell about Jesus and, and there are people I believe that you're one of the only people in this church that could reach them and James will never reach them and Ken will never reach them but you might because of your story and I know I know we're scared to death and I want to end this sermon like I've landed the other two with the two slides and we've got a slide here of this building This is not the church. This is a building where the church gathers. And the next slide is where the church scatters. And I want you to think about this. What if all those stars, by the way, this is not exhaustive. This is just representative of where the Taylorville Christian Church is from Monday to Saturday, where you live, where you work. What if every single member of this church was willing to share the story of what Jesus has done for you at appropriate times, when God prompts you, what could happen? Let's pray. Father, we know it needs a lot. We need a lot of guts to be able to share verbally. Would you please take our fear away and help us, Father, to have the courage to tell our story, our story with you, when we have the opportunity, Father. We just, need, we just need courage. Help us t- to be good witnesses for you. Thank you for our salvation. Help us to have such a deep concern for others that we're willing to talk, we're willing to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.